Welcome to the Peds NP, Pearls of Pediatric Evidence-Based Practice, Episode 5, Mightier Than the Sword. I'm your host, Becky Carson. Join us today as we talk about the dying yet essential skill of writing a paper prescription. Stay tuned. One of the things that attracted me to my husband was how much we are alike. I used to joke that he was the male version of me, and it's made our marriage really easy to be so similar in our personalities, our interests, our sense of humor, but we do have some differences. He likes gritty television, while I'm admittedly a sucker for reality TV, and his car radio is preset to sappy, sad music that I find whiny And I'm over in my car listening to my favorite band over and over without ever growing tired of hearing them. The differences between us make great topics of conversation or arguments. So one afternoon, we're sitting in our backyard enjoying some bevies, and I forget exactly how we got on the topic. We might have been talking about his new job that he just started and the new computer system that he was having to learn or it might have been me brainstorming how I'm going to revamp my pediatrics course for the upcoming semester. Either way, we came to this topic and we had no idea was so divisive between us when we started. But as we dove deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of differing opinions, we stood firmly in our two corners of thought. The issue, learning how to write a paper prescription. We represented both sides of the argument. I was in one corner viewing the lesson as a necessary skill to acquire when you're learning to be a provider, while he was in the opposite corner, totally against it. The back and forth ensued, and it came down to more than our respective disciplines. He's a fellowship-trained physician, and I'm a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner. It came down to age. I'm a little bit older than my husband and became a nurse practitioner very early in my nursing career. Those two things combined with our different educational approaches meant that I became a licensed independent provider long before he did. So for a frame of reference, his first semester of medical school was my final semester where I was focusing on my pediatric nurse practitioner residency. I didn't own an iPhone yet. Netflix was still a DVD rental service, and there had been no royal weddings. This was a long time ago. I remember writing paper prescriptions and charting on bright color-coded paper charts in my first job, but he doesn't. He's never written a paper prescription, nor does he have to in this day and age. He argues that e-prescribe is all students should need to know that the computer asks you all of the necessary questions and you simply click on the appropriate selection for the dose, root, duration, etc. Sure, he says, the pen is mightier than the sword, but is it mightier than the mouse click? And this, my friends, is the existential question of our generation. The educator and old school provider in me vehemently disagrees, affirmed that it's important to know how to do things the proper way, from scratch. But was I hyper-focused on teaching cursive and forgetting to teach typing? 
I circled back on our previous argument and wondered if the assignment I forced on my students each semester was antiquated, lost in the stone ages of engraving our pen markings on paper pads. Surely I was not so ingrained in doing things the traditional way that I was blind to the evidence-based practice that I so dearly love. Or was I? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the paper prescription exceeds the benefits of e-prescribe by any means. As a part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, all healthcare providers were required to adopt and demonstrate, quote, meaningful use of electronic medical records by January 1, 2014. Coincidentally, the same year my husband graduated from medical school, in order to maintain their existing Medicaid and Medicare reimbursement levels. Since that date, the use of electronic medical records and health records has spread worldwide, and it has shown many benefits to health organizations everywhere. We can track errors, review histories, avoid double charting or missing information in the medical record, like if you wanted to view a patient's prior prescriptions from another provider. Not to mention the convenience of the instant gratification of send to the pharmacy for families. As the parent of a child who hates his car seat, being able to drive through and pick up an already prepared prescription is invaluable. So I did some soul searching and came to many conclusions for why learning to write a proper prescription is important beyond just hazing and forcing our 21st century students to perform a skill needed decades ago. Here's why it's important to know how to write a paper prescription. My number one most important reason to know how to write this prescription by hand actually points out that both the pen and the keystroke have the same requirement, grammar. It is the grammar of writing a prescription that makes it so important. I'm a big wordsmith and love writing, but this is not just my love of language coming through. If you misplace one of the pieces of the SIG, you sound ridiculous. Not to mention that you may end up missing one of the five rights of medication administration. Remember those? Yeah, they're old too and important. So your SIG line should read dose, route, frequency, duration. For instance, take five mLs by mouth twice daily for 10 days. If you switch them up, you've just outed yourself as a novice who's not checking their work. Not to mention, it doesn't make sense and may confuse your patients or the pharmacist. Like, take 5 mLs for 10 days, two times a day, by mouth. That just sounds weird and is confusing. To piggyback off that, when you call in a prescription to a pharmacy, you keep the same order of the grammar for a prescription. Whether you are on my husband's side or mine, at some point you will have to call in a prescription to a pharmacy and verbally give the prescription for the medication. After the music that I think sounds kind of like the Forrest Gump soundtrack, you get to record your message. Beep. Hi, this is Becky Carson. My NPI number is 12345678. My phone number is yada yada. This prescription is for baby boy, date of birth, January 1, 2020. And the prescription is for this medication in this suspension. 
he should take this many mLs through this route for this frequency or this duration. You should dispense this amount with this many refills. Thanks. If you have any questions, give me a call back. Bye. That sounds like prescription writing assignment to me, right? And then you've just guaranteed the medication rights by giving the right patient a double identifier, the right medication, the right dose, the right frequency, the right duration. What's more, what if the EMR goes down? You still need to know how to do this accurately without the support of our beloved computers. I'm not suggesting that we're going to have some kind of Y2K apocalypse where we never have computers again, but if the system gets updated for a few hours, you'll inevitably need to keep the flow of your clinic going. And although EMR has spread globally, it does not exist everywhere. And I hope that you're all lucky enough to get to share your skills with those that are less fortunate than you in a developing country. They may not yet be advanced enough to have electronic prescriptions. It would surely bring them a lot of safety and access and impact their care, just as it has in the United States. But until then, you'll have to write handwritten prescriptions. And if you're still here stateside, there are some indications that the computer will not pick up on. For instance, it's not going to tell you that you're giving the wrong dose for strep throat. You have to know the IDSA guidelines that tell us that we can treat with a variety of medications, but does the computer know what you're treating? Will it advise you that your patient can take amoxicillin 1,000 milligrams once daily or 500 milligrams BID as the max dose? Or will it let you mistakenly write for 90 mg per kg divided BID as though you're writing for a high dose otitis media? I'd consider that a medical error. And we can't depend on the computer for baseline knowledge or medical decision-making. And it certainly won't know about off-label use of medications. Take the Miralax clean-out recommendations from episode two. The computer will not suggest that as a possible treatment regimen because much of the way we use polyethylene glycol in children is off-label from FDA recommendations, yet totally safe and accepted as practice. Okay. So what is needed in a handwritten prescription? First, details about the provider. Your name, credentials, NPI number, and contact information. I tend to avoid using my DEA number out of fear that someone will try to misuse it. And some states don't require prescribers to have a DEA in order to prescribe Schedule 3 through 5 drugs. You'll just want to make sure that you have one of your provider identifiers on the prescription. Next, you'll list details about the patient, name, date of birth, and in pediatrics, we tend to also include weight and allergies in this important information. As you're writing the prescription, the top line is the medication, and in parentheses, you include the formulation that you'd like as the suspension or the number of milligrams per tablet. Knowing what's available is one of those difficult skills that you just learn with time. But while you're in school or as a new grad, you might appreciate resources that help you know what's available out there. I really like the Medical Providers Reference, which is a free app available in the App Store. Or you can use your Harriet Lane, which you should have with you at all times in practice anyway. The next line is called the SIG, meaning write. And this is the directions for how the patient should take the medication. 
As I mentioned before, it should go in the order of amount, route, frequency, duration, and anything additional such as PRN and the indications. You need to communicate how much you want the pharmacy to dispense. In cases where you have a finite duration, say 5 mLs BID times 10 days from our prior example, you can save yourself the math by simply writing QS for quantity sufficient. This tells the pharmacy to do the math for you. And in pediatrics, they may give a few extra mLs for the classic spill or spit that we inevitably will experience with giving our children medication. In PRN medications, you wanna write out the quantity. Usually you do this by writing a hashtag number sign and then the number of tabs or mLs that you want but make sure that you write it out in English words in the parentheses. This will prevent someone from adding zeros to your 10 and receiving 100 tabs instead. You'll also wanna write out any refills. As an emergency medicine provider, I typically don't write refills and encourage families to touch base with their primary care provider if they need or wanna start the medication regularly. One exception I have to that is for permethrin 5% to treat scabies. If you dispense a 30-gram tube with one refill, then they have sufficient drug to treat with a second dose a week later. And lastly, you'll want to finish off the prescription with your signature, credentials, and date. On certain drugs, I make sure that there is an expiration date. Some computers will default to one year, while others default to 90 days. Sometimes I'll even write in my own expiration date and initial it, like for an antibiotic that I don't want the family to choose not to fill, and then they have it willy-nilly for whenever they think that it's necessary the next time. So what was the conclusion to our argument? Well, in sound marital advice, we were both right. And the solution includes a compromise. There need to be assignments that incorporate the two. Students need to know the basics of prescription writing and how to advance their ability to apply knowledge and medical decision-making to clinical scenarios, but we, the educators, also need to incorporate current workplace expectations into their education so they graduate competent in the skills they will need in practice. I'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences on e-prescribing and the joys or headaches of navigating the electronic medical record Comment below or send questions to thepedsnp at gmail.com. Make sure to check out our show notes for references and resources. Again, I'm your host, Becky Carson, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, do it right for the kids. Take care.